Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, and this is one of our famous Real Talks, Talks episodes. All right. We haven't done one of these in a long, long time, so Too long. Um, do this is where we don't really talk about anything particular. We write down a few uh, topics that we would like to talk about, and then we just bounce off of each other back and forth, so... Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and start this off. So, well, Kyle, yeah, kind of anything in the just anything in the realm of film and TV, really. You know? Right. So, Kyle, tell me some of the movies that you've recently watched, and what was your thoughts on them? Uh, the most recent watch I watched in theaters was actually I saw the Uncharted film, with my friend, uh, with my friends, and uh, it was overall a pretty solid adaptation of the uh, video game stories, and also does his little own thing. Also, it's nice to see Tom Holland um, play another re- leading role. I think, and uh, Matt Damon's in too, right? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Wahlberg? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, um, it's it's kind of funny because this film has been in just like uh, kind of development limbo for so long that Mark Wahlberg was originally cast to play Nathan Drake, and the movie took so long that he aged into playing Sully. <laughs> yeah, I don't. To me, I don't know if, if Tom Holland is actually just from. I haven't watched it yet, but just from seeing it, I I think he's almost too young. He he looks very young too. He has a very young look to him, even though he's he's actually like twenty six. He's not actually that young, right? Um, but I mean, if you play the video games, uh, Nathan Drake is more looks more like early thirties, maybe early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's one of those things. Like, but at the same time, you have Tom Holland, and like he's a good actor now. Um, same time, it's kind of funny to me. Like he was cast in this movie before they knew he could lead a movie. So it's almost like they have Mark Wahlberg as like the aged actor to be like a co-star to kind of cover him up. But it's like no, Tom Holland was actually the star of the biggest movie of last year as the main star. Clearly, can carry a movie all by himself. So it's kind of funny seeing Mark Wahlberg having like almost like pretending to pick up the slack that Tom Holland clearly is not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a fun thing to see on there as like a, a, just a film nod kind of moment. Um, but there's a lot of moments where like it's clearly kind of a it's capturing a lot of the nuances like I feel like from like the National Treasure movies and not like Indiana Jones what I expected I expected to be more of a rip-off of Indiana Jones or even like some Michael Bay films but really National Treasure was the vibe I kind of got off almost like a kid's first National Treasure that was really good so so would you recommend it for people of any movie going age experience uh, yes. genres yes totally fine with that yeah it, it is a it is a it is a a movie butt movie <laughs> 
thing you ever. It is a perfectly, it's a good old popcorn flick. And yeah, it kind of captures that National Treasure vibes of being relatively kid friendly. And uh, that, now like, you're like, oh yeah, they're thieves. They're not bad thieves, those kind of stuff. So it's a really, it's a really kind of fun little romp. And also if you have zero kind of knowledge of the games, um, I think the movie totally stands on its own. You don't need to know about the games. In fact, I feel like uh, a lot of the stuff like, they they got ahead of like a lot of the story beats because like some stuff they in, they introduced in Uncharted you know two and three and four were of course not placed they didn't place those seasons in Uncharted one so having this first movie that has all the backlogs like Nathan Drake having a brother and other aspects having the film getting getting ahead of those things makes the story set up to go in more um, cool places later and actually be a more solid um, overall overall arching story because they're going to do sequels to this. This is already a franchise in Sony's mind. So you have a new series to kind of start with your family if you wanted to. So overall, it was a, it was a fun movie. I definitely recommend um, if you have a chance to watch it in theaters. If not, I'm sure it'll come to digital soon enough and you can give it a watch sometime then. And uh, it's a solid watch. So really enjoyed it. Um, Jimbo, how about you? How, what kind of movies have you been seeing in the theater recently? Uh, the last one I went to the theater to see was uh, I took my kids we went to go see the new The Batman. The Batman. Or as like, people like to call it, Pattison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for those of you, if you've been living under a rock, the new Batman movie does feature uh, Robert Pattison, who played uh, in the famous... Edward in Edward Twilight series. In yes. Twilight. Uh, I will, I'm happy to report that Batman does not sparkle in this movie. Darn um, it. That's my hope. So my thoughts on the Batman. <sighs> I'm a huge DC fan. I like DC more than I do Marvel in comic books and uh, cartoons and TV series. And I know a lot of people like Marvel. Um, mm. My top two favorite superheroes, number one is will always be Superman. Number two will always be Batman because I think he has the coolest villains. Mm-hmm. Um, this Batman movie is different than anything that you have seen so far in the Batman universe. The Riddler... Uh, and by the way, there will be some spoilers I'll be talking about. So if you haven't seen this, you might want to fast forward a few minutes. Um, the Riddler is really... This is more of a detective movie with Batman thrown in every couple of scenes. And it's more like uh, Commissioner Gordon before he's the commissioner. So Jim Gordon and Batman basically playing detective mm-hmm. uh, to try to figure out the Riddler's clues. You will see some similarities in this movie to Saw. With like the the bomb wrapped around the neck uh, while they're trying to do the riddle, and yeah, it doesn't go right. Trap making um, specifically in the in the. Yeah. But every time, even after the Riddler gets caught, um, there he's his plan was not done yet. I'm not going to say much more about that, so you guys can understand it. There is some uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. If he doesn't get his own movie after this with the Batman, mm-hmm. I th- I think it'd be a mistake because he he stole the show. I think probably missed opportunity. Catwoman, yeah, yeah. she done very well. Zoe Kravitz, uh, Kravitz, yeah. uh, she did very well. Daughter of Lenny Kravitz. Um, <laughs> Batman, uh, Pattinson, uh, he was better than I thought. Uh, it's just I'm not sure if I liked his Bruce Wayne. Uh, Andy Serkis as uh, Alfred was outstanding once again, and this this movie also takes a, a turn, a deep twist, whatever if you will, uh, to who killed Batman's parents and how it was a cover up. Uh, Falcone and all of them are in it. So uh, anybody that's watched any of the Batman shows, no, you know Carmine Falcone's a big, big yeah, big name in the organized crime movie. in the Batman yes. series. Um, so it is, it is a darker movie when i say darker i don't mean dark like the dark knight joker was probably the darkest uh, most adult psych- and serious tone yeah kind of psychopath yeah. that you can get to mm-hmm. um and it's not as dark as even joaquin phoenix's joker 
Um, this yeah. is more um, more of a detective thing. Does the Riddler do some crazy traps? Yeah, he does some crazy traps. Does he kill some people? Yeah, he kills some people. Um, but to me, it was more of a... I didn't really feel like I was watching a Batman movie when I was watching it. I was more watching a detective show. And... Like the Batmobile that they use, mm-hmm. you you don't really. Even my kid said you don't even really get a clear shot of the Batmobile because it's only used like once. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's dark, and it's and, it, and my my daughter's like it seems like it changed every single time it was in the shot. You know that you never got really. And then yeah, they have the Bat motorcycle in it, which is it's just a motorcycle with the the bat the bat hood on it or whatever. Sure, it why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it was it was an interesting take. I would definitely say go see it, uh, check it out. Uh, especially if you're a fan of comics, uh, well, especially, and this is like a well, this is like a year two Batman kind of story, right? Like this is kind of like in terms of like Batman's career, overall, yeah. this is like a year two for him. Yeah, kind of like, it's like he's been he's, he's been established, but not quite yet. You know? Well, like at the beginning of the movie, like um, the criminals are out there, you know, uh, robbing people and in, in, uh, stores and on mugging people, and they see the bat light go up, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like one guy spray painting some graffiti on like the side of City Hall or something. And the, he looks up the ballet. He drops the thing, and it rolls into this darkness. And he gets scared. Another one, I think they're um, on the in the subway, and and they hear a noise, and they hear steps coming down. And that one actually is Batman. But and there's a guy that robs a bank, or sorry, uh, like a grocery store, uh, Mart. And he comes out, and he he drops something. He looks <laughs> up, and he backs up, and the car hits him. Uh, taxi hits him. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's pretty much well established that Batman is fighting crime, and they never know where he's coming from. You know, so every yeah. little darkness, they are scared. That Batman death. has struck fear in all the criminals of exactly. Gotham right now. That's a pretty cool way so, to start the kind of story. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. pretty interesting. What what I heard is like a, a general like both a like means like, no walking into the film and maybe as a partial criticism is that this felt like a like a limited time series that they compress into a three hour long movie right like I, mm-hmm. I was telling one of my friends I said if, to me it felt more like a uh, a three hour Gotham episode uh, mm-hmm. a TV show yeah instead of a movie uh, and I don't know if it's just because of like the Riddler he's wearing like this gas mask type Tape. Apparatus. When I saw it, to me, he looked like a default goon in like one of the Batman Arkham games, which like, they are in there. They they will show up later in the film. So. Yeah, but he, there's he, a lot of a lot of video game yeah. references. He looked like too. one of those goons. Like when Batman shows up, he goes, "It's the bats!" and tries to punch him. That's what he looked like to me. It was a very generic look to me. I didn't like it at all. Um, I personally haven't seen the film myself yet either, so I don't know. If there I, is mm-hmm. there is some good cinematography, like the the scene where the elevator opens up and Batman comes out and all the lights are out and they're shooting their guns and he's going down there and he's just beating them. It goes. Black and then they're shooting again, and he's just making his way down through there. So there is yeah. some great uh, cinema, cinematography shots. And I love there. the overall aesthetic. They seem to be kind of getting a little bit more of that Tim Burton vibe into it. Of almost like it almost looks like a, it's a very very large and almost like myth- mythological dying empire kind of city to it. Look to it. I right. kind of saw from the trailers that I'm, I'm excited um, to see. Personally, so yeah, so. I would say go see it. Um, I'll probably end up buying it when it comes out. On Even the just, worst Batman is still some pretty good Batman. It's sometimes. Batman, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> So yeah, you already right. know if you're gonna see it, you probably already seen it by now. <laughs> right, Kyle, you got your next. Um, uh, not another movie's in the theater. Um, we'll see about this in a podcast. We'll probably record next week. But the only movie I watched recently on uh, Vudu, um, streaming digitally, I watched Fire in the Sky, which is based off the um, real life uh, accounting of a person who claimed to be abducted by aliens. And they later made a dramatized um, film about that, about him being abducted by aliens, and I believe it took place in, uh, oh, Log Country. I can't remember the actual name of it myself. i got to look it up right now. 
got to pull it up because I prepared for this really classy. Um, going forward right here. Um, yes, a UFO invasion in a, yes, uh, lager. It takes place of uh, uh, Travis Walton, who claims to be abducted by aliens. And that film has a legendary kind of like 12 to 15 minute almost short film that has this sort of like really horrific alien abduction scene where basically he's being tortured and experimented on. Um, and it's just a PG-13 movie, but it's actually, like, psychologically very traumatic. I wouldn't just a kid ever watch it, or even, like, a 13-year-old could probably be traumatized by it. But um, we're recording the um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind next week, and it was kind of seen a, a, a sharp contrast where Steven Spielberg with, like, movies like E.T. and um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he has a very, like, idealistic view of the unknown and discovering aliens and then making peace of us and all kind of stuff, where this um, movie Fire in the Sky goes the exact opposite direction where, like, the, these, uh, these these aliens are almost seen as like a um, almost uh, horrifically demonic in their own ways of treating humans with like complete disregard for their um, pain or free will and like that just treating like cattle to be experimented on and used as uh, torture devices so that was an interesting film to watch and uh, a, a really really good film to kind of watch too um, stars D.B. Sweeney as Travis Walden and Robert Patrick as Mike Rogers and Robert Patrick um, actually this was the role that he played so well and it was, since it was a sci-fi movie this is the reason he later got casted into the X-Files TV show mm. which is really cool too and of course, Robert Patrick, famous for T one thousand, the movie. So, pretty cool movie itself. Um, did you watch any of the movies yourself uh, outside yeah. of the cinema? Yep, uh, I watched the new Scream. The new Scream. Um, <laughs> How was it? Mixed I, I liked. <laughs> I liked it uh, for the simple fact that it kind of makes fun of itself and the whole franchise. During it's like they broke the fourth wall at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of a sequel, they call it a requel or something like that, where yeah, they bring not back quite a reboot, not quite a sequel. Yeah, it's a requel. They, they, they bring back all the old characters, you know, and then they're actually playing all that. We bring back the leading character, blah blah blah, you know, and all this. So um, definitely, if you're going to watch it, make sure you watch the other four or whatever it is now, four or five. I can't remember. I think four um, before you watch it because there is some tiebacks into uh, some of the other movies by some of the characters who they're related to and all that. Um, it does bring back um, Dewey and uh, Gail Weathers and um, Sydney Prescott. Cool. So they all bring back their roles. And I'm not going to tell you, but one of them does not make it out of the movie. And it was kind of heartbreaking. So I'll leave it at that. Um, but make sure you check that out. I thought I it was pretty good. If you have to guess, make it. <laughs> if you have to guess, take, give me your guess. No, no, no I'm going to say uh, probably uh, uh, Sweeney, probably. Um, a deep, the, the police... Um, officer, Dewey, Dewey, Dewey. Yeah, that's it. Dewey, Dewey, yeah, Sweeney, whatever. Dewey, I believe. I'm not going to say Dewey. anything because somebody anything. wants to buy it. Uh, I'm right though. There's also a movie uh, that I wanted to see because uh, of what it's based on, and I don't ever remember seeing it hit theaters, and I wanted to see it, and it is Cyrano. Um, oh yeah. Me and Kyle was sitting here talking about it earlier. Cyrano de Bergerac was uh, something that I had to read in literature class, man. 10th grade, probably, sophomore year. Um, it's about a guy that falls in love with a girl, but he's uh, got a nose like Pinocchio, real long. and uh, he's But he's a really good uh, po- he, a poet, he, uh, what yeah. do you call him? Uh, a, a poet author of poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but but in the in the book, he finds this really uh, masculine guy, you know, good looking guy to deliver this stuff to or whatever. So it was actually him behind the thing. But this, they took a different spin on this. And they actually have Peter Dinklage, which is uh, well known for his role as uh, uh, Lannister, <laughs> Lannister. Uh, in Tyrion. Tyrion, Tyrion Lannister. yeah. Yes. In uh, Game of Thrones, where they've changed the. 
Uh, Long nose, of course, him being um, self-conscious about his height. Right. Yeah. So I'm really interested to watch this movie and see uh, the way the way they went about it. But I wish they would have advertised this a lot more because it was something that I wanted to see. Yeah, it was a, a complete missed opportunity on the the um, the production company's fault or uh, whoever. Like I, I I don't know the uh, distributor, but like like you have the most popular actor from the Game of Thrones series basically, and then you have him like playing a like one of the most well known plays in the world and doing a film that apparently from all of I've had seen of any kind of critical reception has been nothing but like absolutely great, and they put it just in the middle of like January to basically like just go out and die. And during a real kind of lull in the theater kind of landscape right now, it's like you could have pushed that film and actually made something really iconic out of it. And instead, they just kind of let it die out with a whimper, which is absolute tragedy because, like, hey, you know what? Peter Dinklage is an amazing actor. He deserves to be in more movies. At the same time, too, this seems like a great film. They should have pushed it further. And it's an absolute, um, it's completely dumbfounded to me that they didn't push this movie harder and actually get it out there. Now it's going to have to be like a critical darling with like a cult following for the next, you know, decade or so. But it's really unfortunate because like they just, they had everything set up to do this right and they made a great film but they didn't um, show it to the world the way they should have. Right. So that's unfortunate. So um, I can't wait to see myself. We're, definitely, we're definitely check it out. Um, on the Vudu right now, It's I think you can rent it. I'm waiting for it to go on. Uh, buy now. Buy, it, buy yeah. now and then I will buy it. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to go straight to buy. We're not going to buy with the rental stuff. Yeah, we're gonna, we want to we own this movie, that's for sure. So, Kyle, let's talk a little bit about Disney Plus. Disney um, Plus, or Star Wars well, specifically. Right. Yeah. Uh, we got the Obi-Wan show getting ready to come out here in a couple months. Uh, they're starting to release images, and I think the trailer's due this week. Um, what are your expectations or high hopes for Obi-Wan? So, um, yeah, I know, I know we've had a little bit of disagreement on that before, and like we have different expectations for the show. Um, for me, like I would have wanted like an Obi-Wan show to basically just like I would have preferred like an Obi-Wan movie altogether and just be like Obi-Wan somehow discovering that Darth Maul was alive and then going on the hunt to go get Darth Maul and finally settle that score once and for all. And uh, that's exactly the only story I really care about for Obi-Wan between the end of the prequels to the beginning of the original trilogy. That's the only story I was really interested in. Um, but it appears they're going to free a different way where about it's going to be about Obi-Wan and Darth Vader specifically having a story between there. And uh, I don't know how that will go and I don't know what to expect, but I am excited for the series overall. Um, Jimbo, what are your kind of thoughts yeah, and feelings? Yeah, I mean, we, we know that Obi-Wan and uh, Darth Vader will have another uh, duel. Altercation, yeah. Yep. Uh, they say they do fight with lightsabers again, so I'm really interested in seeing that. Um, because we know... Um, and which will really be interesting if it ties to episode four, A New Hope, where um, Darth Vader, remember when he meets Obi-Wan on the Death Star, yeah. and he's like... My powers have grown since we last have that. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be very interesting if they tried to tie into that. And, you know, he's like... And Darth Vader's also like, I felt a presence I haven't felt since. And, you know, he, he trolls it all. So I'm hoping that they can tie that into A New Hope somehow and make it more... Appeasing to the long time fans. Gosh, I, I really I don't know how they necessarily do it, but I wonder if they're actually at the point like since they already done like scenes of a, a digital de aged Luke Skywalker and uh, of course Mark Hamill. I wonder if they're going to try and do anything to talk about um, Obi Wan maybe watching a young Luke Skywalker growing up on Tatooine and maybe seeing like the lifetimes of his childhood possibly. I don't I, know. I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point because it's already going in different directions. I thought you know I, I wouldn't had uh, you know I. I 
I personally wouldn't have had Obi-Wan engage with Darth Vader until we got to episode four. To me, the prequels are like, it's prequels and new hopes. That's when Obi-Wan and Darth Vader interact. That's it. That's, that's, that's where that was, that, that it's just a gulf of time between them before they interact ever again. Um, but they're clearly going to have a direct interaction and in this show. So I wonder if they also have more direct interactions with um, a young Luke Skywalker. Well, it's going to also yeah. be interesting is if they are going to fight again, um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagine what if they have like him like like the same way the original young Anakin actor played. <laughs> I'm gonna be a pod racer, <laughs> just I'm really a Jedi. <laughs> no, but I mean like um, it'll be interesting because um, when Obi Wan in the New Hope is first meets Luke Skywalker, he's you know he's been on Tatooine all this whole time looking after him. If does that mean Darth Vader comes back to Tatooine to fight him, or is it going to take somewhere off somewhere else to fight? You know, I mean, it's going to be interesting because yeah, I, mean, I don't think Obi-Wan will jeopardize his location and Luke Skywalker's location by fighting on Tatooine. I don't think that'll yeah, be possible. Unless like, they send a bounty hunter after him. Yeah, then you have... Well, no, because... Yeah, because granted, it's not... Yeah, because then you, like, you have to go in the factors of the timeline itself. It's like, okay, okay, so you wouldn't have, like, Mando or the actor Boba Fett turn up in there. You wouldn't have them, like, do a guest appearance. Maybe Finnick Shan can make an appearance. I don't know. That could be an interesting thing to see. Um, but um, still, it's like, yeah, you you can't imagine, like, Darth Vader would let um, Obi-Wan just lay the blow on Tatooine if he knew he was there. Right. So surely that means Obi-Wan will have to go off world and then have his altercation with uh, Darth Vader because, like, no, you don't want him to reveal that, like, oh, I know, you know, I know Darth Vader is like, huh. I wonder why Obi-Wan is going to the planet that I grew up on. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I never looked into that sun I've been missing for my entire life. <laughs> right, no. so speaking of bounty hunters. Um, oh, yes. The Book of Boba Fett has been released now for a while. And concluded, yeah. Uh, are you all caught up on it? Yeah, I'm all caught up. I was all, yeah. And what did you think of that? Uh, I left it overall a bit disappointed, um, unfortunately. I, I feel like there was a whole lot of... Uh, they put in a whole lot of guest stars and stuff like that to kind of like try and boost up a little bit of excitement of like here's cameos and guest characters you know from other series to make it exciting for you but instead the show just kind of like felt like nothing really happened or that Boba Fett himself wasn't really an interesting character like he just kind of like oh he survived the Sarlacc pit and he got um, he was with the the village of uh, those one aliens I forget the name of them aliens the sand people the sand people the sand people <laughs> the sand people and like he's like and now he's a redeemed person who only wants to be a criminal empire but a really good one a really nice one it's like oh it didn't have an interesting nuance to me where i didn't feel like boba fett um played the character i knew from the star wars films where like him being a cold ruthless bounty hunter or even then in the um expanded uh, um you know mythology about him being you know just a ruthless bounty hunter about getting his pay and that's basically all he cares about um I understand for a Disney Plus show, you want to play them as someone of a redeemable and likable character, but fear, I just want to feel like he went too far where he was just kind of like a, just a boring, nice guy in not really an interesting way, and also there wasn't really enough action scenes where I felt really got for him. Um, so overall, I kind of felt like the show went kind of nowhere for me. How'd you feel about it overall? Well, the, uh, what I, what I did like is basically, was it episode five was just all about Mandalorian? The Mandalorian, and, and then the next episode also was, was about mostly about Mandalorian. Luke and Baby Yoda and Grogu and, yeah. and all that. And I was like, they should have saved that for the Season Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. And it gave me some more meat of the bones of Boba Fett because Boba Fett turned into a wimp. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was, yeah. I mean, uh, I understand that he's the crime boss and that he's he's taking over Jabba's thing, so he has to kind of keep everybody in line. 
But, you know, like when that one guy was like. But so, there's a really cool action way to do that, though. There's also a lot of ruthless ways to do that that they could have done the show, and they just did none of it. Right. It was just a whole lot of him being basically surrounded and ambushed, and then him being like, I survived that encounter. I guess I'm still the crime lord. Like, what? what? I'm sorry. You were talking. It was really yeah. cool to see, um, what was his name? Curse Scienthe, uh the. Uh, the uh, oh the black uh, Wookie, yeah. Oh uh, man, he is tough. Uh, gosh, I, I haven't. Chris, I'm gonna say Chrysanthem or something like that. Yeah, I, I know the okay. I know he was in, he was introduced in a comic book series, and when the original writer was writing his name, he actually wrote it down as Nubaka as a placeholder for a long time. Nubaka, <laughs> Nubaka, uh, not Chewbacca. It's Nubaka. He's Chewbacca but black. Um, <laughs> the, um, I, yeah. I did think it was cool seeing Boba Fett ride the the Rancor. Uh, that's straight out of a comic book. Um, that was incredible to watch. I agree with that entirely. Yes, um, and see. some of the some of the CGI they did there was really great. And then when Baby Yoda gets out there as Grogu, and he just puts the Rancor to sleep, <laughs> just like yeah, like, uh, I got this. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, seeing Baby Yoda or Grogu save the day, and, and we did see characters. that Grogu was put to a test to either choose Yoda's lightsaber. Or mm-hmm. the thing that the Mando had made out of the Beskar armor, which uh, yeah. the spear, which was a uh, chainmail. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was interesting, and it's clearly he chose the chainmail, and uh, they're clearly, I think, setting up Grogu to be like. Um, I think they even said it in like episode five about the Mandalorian about like there was an original there was a Mandalorian who made the dark saber and he was both Mandalorian and Jedi so I think they're clearly setting up to for for Grogu to inherit that legacy and become both Mandalorian and Jedi in his own way. Well, I think um, Mandalorian could do that too. I, I think Mandalorian is going to set up a lot of the savior stuff of of uh, you know being the savior of Mandalore and doing that kind of stuff. But I think um, they want Grogu to kind of hold that that banner and over time. And it could be a thing they do even like a decade later, even or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy that episode. I really enjoyed the Mandalorian yeah. too. Book of Boba Fett was okay for what it was. Really excited for. Um the Obi-Wan, and then I think Ahsoka's getting ready to get her own series out, too. Ahsoka, yeah, and I believe they um, they confirmed that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going to re- replace, um, oh, uh, it was not Robert, I guess, um, the, um, the, the actress who got canceled um, before um, they filmed, oh. and she's going to do Cara Dune? Cara Dune, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. I thought she signed back on with them. I believe they, they confirmed that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is actually going to take over her role, basically. And not actually specifically, it'd probably be a whole new character, but she's going to have her whole um, Republic show, basically. Mm. Her whole uh, new, new Republic as uh, that's kind of going to be thing. So I think they confirmed that just last week. I'm going to look it up just because I'm not just completely um, off mail um, <laughs> here. But um, still, I heard they were going to do that about her own show. And I'm excited about that. Let me see about what everyone said. News. Kyle, have you watched any TV shows lately? Um, I actually I got into watching Monk for the first time ever, and I'm really enjoying that a whole bunch. So overall, I think it's a uh, pretty excellent show. Uh, I believe it's like early 2000s to late 2000s, and uh, really enjoying that. Are you watching any cool TV shows yourself? Jimbo? Well, I wouldn't say cool, but um, when I was young, uh, the TV show Mash would come on. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was an automatically change of the station, uh, boring. Uh, so I've decided to try to sit through a couple episodes to see what I think about it. Um, I think I'm on episode two right now. So um, we're going to give her a shot. We're going to see where it takes me. If I, if I like it, I'll stay on. If not, I tried. 
Um, I know a lot of people like MASH, so um, but you can never go wrong with The Office. <laughs> oh, no, you can't go wrong with The Office. And all, watching MASH would be kind of interesting to watch now. Uh, I feel like it's it's kind of in those um, that subset of shows now that in a streaming world are hard to watch because they don't have a week to kind of like defuse and like like forget everything a little bit. You know, like if you watch one episode, one MASH or another, you like you see a lot of similarities or dealing with like similar levels of trauma, and then they don't then like. You go to the next episode, you have the exact same thing over again. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, okay. It kind of gets goes bad in that point. So streaming kind of uh, can natally affect those shows, but still a show worth watching, I think, MASH. Um, oh, okay. So apparently I was wrong. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is instead, she is playing an unknown character right now in the um, uh, Disney's um, Oshka series. So she's playing a character. But I believe they were talking about her taking over for the new Republic series that we're all going to do of the Republic Rangers or whatever they called it. Yeah. Um, that uh, uh, Gina, Gina Carro kind of fell through on. I don't think they recast her, but I don't know. Disney's always, um, specifically, Star Wars is kind of in a rough spot right now. Not, not, not in a really bad spot, but kind of like a lot of things, a lot of plates are spinning and plans are going a little bit array. Um, they don't have the same kind of like um, foundation set that I think the MCU has right now, where they just, like, it feels like they can't fail and their plans always are kind of going on track. Star Wars always feels a lot. Um, real loose right now. Things are always going to one place or another. Like, they don't have a new trilogy set up or the shows are kind of going out of way where they're being, like, um, unbalanced kind of, like, uh, performing-wise. Like, Boba Fett is kind of, like, performing a little bit lower and, like, reviewers aren't really saying that much like it. Even fans are kind of a little bit more light, you know, light with it right now. It's like, eh, it's not great, but it's not bad either. And, uh, same time, too, like, Mandalorian's skyrocketing. So, it's just, uh, it's, they're in a, in a bit of a weird spot right now, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got anything else, Kyle? Um, no, I think that about covers it overall. Um, I'm excited for doing more Real Talks in the near future, actually. I think we should probably make that more regular, hopefully, if we can do that. Um, and we're excited to do um, Close Encounters of the Third Time next week. Yep, so, Close Encounters, and it's, it's, a, it's a long one. It's going to be a big movie, you know. Uh, we have definitely set up the next few movies here are some real... Um, classics gems, if you say, um, you know, really um, set the cinematic landscape, you know, to change the course of history forever in really cool ways. But unfortunately, that also means it's a lot of research to do for a podcast. And we also have lost a lot of actors here recently, uh, this year in 2022 so far. Um, uh, we had Bob Saget, uh, mm-hmm. Meatloaf. Yeah. Um, Who's that other person I said, Kyle? I can't think uh, of his name. Gosh. I, you know, it's it's unfortunate. We're kind of just hitting another... Um, like, 2016 was a really uh, rough Charles year. Charles Chris Huvane. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we lost uh, Sydney, Sydney Poitier um, just um, before the end of the year, actually. And that was really sad to lose him. We just did a podcast about, like, In the Heat of the Night uh, about him. And uh, that, was a, that was a tough loss to see. I think he died just before the end of the year last year. Um, Louis Anderson also Louis passed Anderson, away. Louis Anderson, that's who I was trying to think of. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a lot, uh, a lot of great um, legendary actors who, like, yeah, uh, definitely who had incredible legendary performances that are passing away recently. And of course, Betty White before, right before the end of the year as well. Um, yeah. it, it, it's. You know, I, I mean, uh, you know. Luckily, a lot of these actors did have long, fulfilling lives, and like, but still, like, it's just a thing where like every generation eventually is going to be a year where just like an, un- an unusual amount of number of them die. Um, yeah, uh, Peter uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah, of course, the the filmmaker for um, Last Picture Show and Paper Moon. And um, he's also a lot of Sopranos episodes, and I believe he may have directed a couple of those uh, too. Kim Misu. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Yeah. Um, Howard Hessman, uh, Howard Hessman from WKRP Cincinnati, loved that show. I can't find anywhere else to get the end of the seasons past season one anymore. Uh, we gotta look it up sometime. Um, Sully Kellerman passed away from Mash, yeah, yeah. Hot Lips. 
Yeah. So unfortunately, not. It's gonna be. Um, I think we're in for like another kind of like long year for like 2016. Felt the same way. We lost like Carrie Fisher and like David Bowie and a bunch of other incredible performers and actors during that time. I think we're actually looking at another year where we're unfortunately a lot of uh, actors are kind of coming to a head of of like either in later years or we're still in the middle of like a pandemic landscape, unfortunately. And uh, everything's a little more dangerous right now. We're going through some tough times out here in the world, and uh, we all are. We all care about everyone else with you here, and we're 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 with you. But uh, right. So if we have any Ukrainians or Russian listeners, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. Um, you guys are in a very precarious situation, no matter which side you're on. Um, and, and we just we you got a lot of people thinking about you guys. So hopefully, if you're over there and listening to this, hopefully we can give you a few moments of of joy, of happiness during this troubling time. So yeah, and that, that expands worldwide too. I mean, this is the thing. This is this is not a you know this this affects everyone in the world, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, even like even uh, you know stuff right here in the Americas is getting very harshly affected, but not harshly affected, not not, not more harshly than the Ukrainian. Obviously, but uh, still, like a lot of things were like, oh, okay, I got to plan my bills, got to plan my next few moves based off what the global world is doing. Right. Um, so it's so, tough times. With that being said, I think this real talk's coming to a close, or yes. Kyle will go down a long, longer rabbit hole. Yes, we will. So. Yes, we will. But yes, thoughts and prayers with everyone. We love people, and we hope they get um, things sorted out in a good way. It's unfortunate, but yes, right. thank you. Uh, well, this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. <laughs>